Hi, welcome back to another episode of Chris Dyer's Creative Friends, the super awesome podcast show where me, your artist friend Chris Dyer, talks to all his amazing creative friends. Today, I'm at Secret Dreams Music and Art Festival in Ohio. I'm going to talk to my good old friend Gavinger, who's a visionary artist that I know for many years, but also is playing a big role out here as art director of the festival. So we're going to learn all about what it takes to you know, produce the art side of an event like this. It's going to be very interesting, and I hope you will enjoy. Blessings! There is so much a man can tell you, so much he can say. All right, we're gonna push through all these sounds. Avenger! A nice little beep beep, it's like a metronome for us. Yeah, totally. We even got a little crowd here, some happy artists. There are a lot of friends around here. Yeah, totally. How are you feeling this morning? I'm feeling good. Yeah. I feel, um, you know, it's like the the part of the experience where there's like a total exhaustion element from putting so much into it, but uh-huh. then also just like being so energized by everything around happening and just... Did you party last night? Oh, uh, yeah. Are you hangover right now? Um, a little bit. There was, there was this whole thing. There was this... Our new mascot for Secret Dreams. I can't talk about the new mascot. It's unofficial. Okay. Somebody found at the box office. Okay, nice. Cut that from the interview. Sweet. So where okay. are we? What is Secret Dreams? Why Secret Dreams, not Sacred Dreams? What's, what is to be kept a secret? So Secret Dreams is kind of the, the initial origin of it is like having this idea where it's, you know, it's kind of something that's like something that you talk about but never really like act on the actions, like something that's, that you hold inside you. Um, and it's kind of about the activation of that, like those dreams that you hold, those like truest dreams that you have and the fulfillment of those and like bringing those things that, that you hold inside you that are such a part of you uh-huh. and like making that a reality, making that like the truest, the truest part of you. Nice. And this is in Ohio. It's the second year. Who made this and why? Um, so this was made by uh, a group of friends and I essentially, um, Really, a lot of people that um, that I've known from this very venue, like growing up about two hours away, this was kind of like the home ground. This is where, this is the first festival here in 2012 that really set me off. The first festival that was, um, you know, really had the, the vibe of like not being a huge production necessarily. I mean, granted, you can still be a huge production, but still have like an intimacy level to uh-huh. it. Um, have an event that's really well curated. It's not just about packing the venue out, bringing a huge crowd in, having a, you know, giant party. Um, it's about the full experience of it and having, like, those enriching elements, like, not just having music, but having the the art and the culture and really celebrating that, the, the full, like, breadth of everything beautiful that happens here. The stuff that takes it from being a concert to something that's, you know, really 
an experience where there's something for everyone. Uh -huh. um, there's a spot for everyone to explore, whether you want to come and you want to go to the yoga tent and have that and find community there, whether you're an artist and you want to come here and, and paint as an artist and, and meet other artists, um, whether you know, you're know you into fashion, like we try and appeal to that kind of stuff and try and just like, try and provide those niches where there's really something for everyone and like you, it really provides an opportunity to explore yourself and kind of see where, you're, where you gravitate towards uh -huh. and, and find yourself there and then yeah, grow from grow from that. Like find your spot and then grow in it. Nice, but it's still a pretty good attendance, right? What What do you think? How many people are here? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I can't say the exact numbers. I try and um, stay removed from the uh, total production side and that side of things. Um, just you know, just because that's uh, like not my purview. Right. I just try and make the best experience. I would say. Um, Roughly like ten thousand, I would think. Yeah, it's yeah. a nice medium number. Yeah, it's not like a forty thousand electric forest situation, yeah, but it's also not like a two thousand pyro festival. It's kind of yeah. like in the middle. It is, and you know, we definitely have growth on our mind here, um, and you know, that's that's been the way that we're trying to throw everyone who's on the the dream team is like, we've been working events from those ones that are a thousand people mm -hmm. and horrible chaotic production and small and, and whatever and just unofficial, more like a homey thing. Um, and then, you know, we've all worked those and then we've also done these massive events. And so we've, we've built it as a small, heartful thing with the systems in place to really grow over the coming years. Like this is really something that we're all pouring into as a passion project. Uh -huh. um, really like sinking all of our skills into, it's, it's all people that we all kind of started off kind of looking at and you know when the wicks go pro is kind of where we're at with it now yeah well i know you as an artist and i from my memory or consciousness you're the only artist that now is an art director um how is that like is the fact that you now direct people like yourself give you a little like an inside look of how to do it properly H how is the role of being an art director um you know it's a role that i kind of fell into out of like seeing a necessity for it um and at first it was just a matter of seeing a festival that didn't necessarily have an art program and wanting to just get my artist homies out and just be like hey let me set up a tent let me um you know bring 10 friends and we'll set up an art tent and we'll live paint and we'll, we'll improve the experience that way um, and add that element. Um, and then, you know, working in that world and, and uh, experiencing different, um, different speed bumps and roadblocks along the way, it, um, it led me to an understanding of how the, like, the systems work within this culture and bri bridging that divide between production and, and live art and really having like the proper, um, the proper systems in place for it so that everything can run smoothly. Um, you know, learning that has has basically created an opportunity to fill a need that the festival scene has. Uh -huh. um, and you know, I I filled that need, and there are several people, several other artists who um, who take similar roles, who are like artists and have stepped up for the community. Um, like Anya Amador is a great example of that. Um, you know, going from being an artist and doing this, you know, full time as a living, really sinking fully into it, um, and then really recognizing that need and then really leading into it so it's been fun because while there are like few like artists and director people 
we're all kind of like linking up and butting our heads together now and figuring out how we can like really integrate the system and integrate the community that's in place and like you know provide the opportunities for artists uh, not only to like do their thing but for also for artists to, like really be supported and to thrive because like I you know I want to see all my artist friends thrive it's it's not easy to be an artist you have to really pour yourself into it fully so like when you when you see your friends that are fully pouring themselves into being an artist it's like oh, you know you want to support them and uh-huh so, so that's that's like a fulfillment it's a, it's a big fulfillment for sure nice. it gives you a good purpose and feel like you're doing something that helps people Totally. Is, is it like stressful or like I know the, the position of a curator can make you as many enemies as friends because people are like, she should have done this, she should have gotten me and what's up with this thing and that thing. Is that like a weird thing that all of a sudden you being an artist now you got to like pick and choose and shit? Yeah, I mean, you know, it can be hard to like as far as picking and choosing when you're curating a lineup. Um, and ultimately it's you know I, I work with the team to curate everything just because i do like want to be removed from that situation just because you know out of you know we got like 500 applications for this event uh-huh. and of course you know there's a lot of friends on it right and um that must be so awkward yeah well you know there's there's like you want to put on the people who are really showing up and the people who've been there forever but then you also want to provide like an experience that keeps people really interested in like rotating artists and bringing in new people not only having people who've been really established for a long time but also somebody where you know they may have only been painting for two years but they're like out there and they're fucking crushing it and they're just getting it and you know it's, it's good to recognize that and while there may be you know some hurt feelings along the way for people who didn't get accepted it's ultimately like you know it's it's a growth thing it's uh mm-hmm. it's it's a thing that I've had to come to terms with for sure, understanding um, the removal from that, the removal of myself in the effort of making it something greater than myself because it is so much greater than myself, like what's going on here. Still, there's like a ton of artists on this one. Is this, this is probably like the uh, music festival has the most artists, right? Like, do you know more or less the number of how many muralists, gallery showers, uh, roaming artists? Yeah, the total number this year is about 60. Uh-huh. Um, and then that's that's just our official artists. I would say half the plus ones um, that we give to the artists are also artists. Um, you know, we have uh, 27 murals uh, painted this year. And we have 27 murals from last year decorating the site. Uh, but on top of that, um, I think close to 30 installation artists with 40 installations. Uh, so it's really like the the artistry and like the people who who have art here like in different mediums is huge um the creative department is the biggest department of the festival uh-huh um, that and the volunteers you know who who put their hard work in it's like between that it's like those are the biggest programs so, Whoa. yeah that's awesome I, I imagine also probably like the budget gets spread very thin when there's that many artists so do you think it's like I guess you've taken your choice, but like in, in this case, you'd rather get as many people here, may on a lower budget, than to have less artists with a higher budget. Totally, and that was a, a change from last year to this year. Last year, we brought out um, close to 80 official artists, and um, you know that was the thing being kind of spread thin. So this year, uh, we really tried to make the best opportunities for people, um, whether, you know, 
you know, we try and provide at least the, you know, the plus one and, and some food to, to help like cover the cost and whatnot. Um, but then also, you know, providing mural opportunities that are budgeted. It's something where you can have this big piece of art. Uh, for some people, it's an opportunity to, to try that. Um, and, you know, at least cover supplies and give something. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to be able to really pay everyone their worth, really like being an artist and understanding the worth of, the worth of art, artist time and, and, you know, what we go through to be here. So I definitely have that in mind and like, a, you know, I'm trying to provide everyone a real opportunity to do it. You know, it's like a lot of people who were coming from far away was like, all right, so you're going to do a mural and then you have an opportunity in the gallery. Um, and then, you know, some people were just more gallery leaning. Some people were just more mural leaning. Um, and then like roaming creators, those are all people I've selected that like, I know their system kind of to where I know that they can maximize that opportunity. And uh-huh. yeah. Nice. Tell me about, uh, Gordy and the gallery society. Gordy and the gallery society, Gordy, Lou, Dave Doss have been absolutely huge and absolutely instrumental in creating successful art programs. Um, this has been a big coming together for us. I've actually joined the Gallery Society recently. We never made like an official announcement or anything. What does that um, mean? What is the Gallery Society? So the Gallery Society is essentially a collective of people bringing artwork to events. Um, not only that, but also curating events. Um, there's, they throw a lot of events up in uh, Detroit. Uh -huh. kind of, there was one that uh, they brought me up for on 420 this year. It was called the, uh, or 420, and then a month later I came back because I had so much fun. Uh -huh. um, but they, they took over this tangent gallery. Yeah. And it was like a, kind of like a burner compound and did uh, multiple stages, like a little mini festival. Yeah, yeah. I painted uh, there ages ago with them too. Oh, a too. tangent. That's right. You yeah, I got a mural there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you know the spot. So they've been, they've been throwing events there. Um, more small-scale events. Um, I think, you know, specifically, like, with my involvement and where I see the company moving forward is really going into something like this and, um, like, curating art experiences at events uh -huh. and creating a really nice system for that. Um, it's, it's great to be able to have a team that you can, like, really rely on for stuff. Uh, you know, knowing that I can curate an art program and have the most amazing, beautiful gallery that I can, you know have someone else be responsible for managing of course i'll be there i'll be there to help and, nice. and so you're part of that company now yeah that's yes. awesome so like uh the gallery society is kind of like a tri or a mova and now there's like different brands that bring galleries to festivals mm -hmm. and all other events totally. like it, and it, it absolutely feels like um kind of like the next generation of like a, a tribe 13 thing um kind of getting getting the artists together it's kind of a it's kind of one of the bigger collection points of artists and it's like um yeah it feels like that's the the kind of hub where this movement is pushing forward right now so it's, mm -hmm. it's exciting to like make that tangible and, and um you know put put a name behind it and put a purpose behind it and have that thing behind all the stuff that we've been doing and right well you know as the scene grows as there's more artists as festivals require more of us hopefully uh there will be also be the requirement of more groups that offer galleries not just one or two but several in different parts of the country to you know offer perhaps their own flavor of that mm -hmm. and their own lineups and stuff um you know hopefully not competitive but you know 
creating together a bigger visionary art scene. Uh, I think this whole scene, and the art scene in particular, is really like in the spirit of collaboration. Uh, and that's been one of the things that really has, that's why I'm here. Like the, you know, the things that kept me, the, the thing that has kept me going to music events, music and art events, is the art community. And being able to go really like anywhere and having that tribe and having that, that sense of uh, collaboration, like growing with each other and teaching each other, um, it's, it's a super important thing. And I think it's kind of rare to have a place that's so like uplifting for each other. I think it's, that's a huge focus. It's like lifting each other up and sharing techniques and like, oh, you could do this, you could try this. Uh-huh. Well, it's great, you know, as we uh, grow a little bit older or, you know, maybe a little less young, to use better terms, uh, we get a little bit more professional representation. So the, also the movement becomes a little bit less, you know, festival work styles. Mm -hmm. And uh, hopefully we'll be, as, well, we don't have to be accepted by the world of art, but, you know, we can just present ourselves in, you know, a cleaner, a cleaner way. Does this, these roles that you're taking uh, get in the way of your own art career? Is it something that competes with your time? You know, I, I really don't think it does. I think, um, you know, I, the way that I've kind of settled into my art career is like a very, um, very all over the place kind of thing, like dip between different mediums. Um, it's kind of like another medium that like uses a different part of my brain and it helps my process, which is kind of like jumping around like a mad person between a hundred tasks and kind of like plucking away at this and plucking away at this, you know, hopefully less plucking away at this and more like plucking away at this. Ah, uh, that's the idea. Yeah, that's that's definitely um, the thing, but you know, it's, um, I don't think it has at all because I, I see this as my art, you know, it's, um, I don't necessarily see my art as, you know, my paintings or my furniture or anything like that. I, I see um, any act of creation, especially looking at um, people who really like blow my mind as an artist, like, uh, you know, Carrie Thompson. Yeah. So I, I just really recently discovered his work at really? a music festival. And he, he built like a permanent structure for the art gallery. Yeah. Um, and I've been getting into carpentry a lot more lately and seeing that kind of stuff, like seeing real like space building kind of stuff and, you know, creating atmosphere, creating a whole thing. It's like to me, the carry thing is very interesting because now he's such a uh, installation dude and he's so good at it and he's in Meow Wolf and stuff. But. To me, he's a painter. Mm -hmm. Have you seen his paintings? Yeah. He's such a good painter. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? Why would such a good painter stop painting to do this other thing? But then he got so good in that other thing. And he always tells me, like, one day, Chris, I'm going to just kind of, like, build my Costa Rica spot and have enough money, and then I'll go back to painting, which is my true passion. But, you know, as you say, art's not just like, oh, my painting and that's that. Your art's life. Your life is your biggest painting, and you can have different branches to the tree to express yourself. Mm. Yeah, so good for you, uh, creating a new branch to your tree of expression. So where are you from originally? I'm originally from Cincinnati, Ohio. So Oh, like, you're from here? Yeah, like two hours south of here. Okay. Um, so this was, you know, I grew up in Cincinnati, spent um, most of my life there, you know, went to uh, through, uh, through growing up and then through college. Um, and then after college, I was kind of like looking at where to go in the world and where to set my roots. I knew that I needed to get out. It was like a, you know, small town boy with a... Like, Abby is asking me to ask you, why do you leave Cincinnati? Why did I leave Cincinnati? Yeah. No comment. <laughs> no comment. All right. Right. So after uh, Cincinnati, uh, where do you go? 
Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I do have a comment. Um, Cincinnati, you know, it was it was an amazing place, um, and it's it's definitely a place with some some great community. Um, and I had so many, you know, and still have so many amazing people there. But it, it was really just like a small or big fish, small pond kind of thing. Right. I felt like I'd really tap my opportunities there. Um, and I really wanted to be around a creative community that inspired me. Um, so I looked at, yeah, I looked at a lot of places like Denver was an idea. Portland was an idea. Asheville was an idea. So I kind of thought on it for a while. Chicago was an idea. I moved to Chicago for a little bit. Not a city boy. No. No. No, I'm a, I'm a country boy. Okay. Um, so, so that was kind of, that experience led me away from Denver and to Asheville where it's got the kind of same vibe as, as Denver, where there's, you know, there's food, there's music, there's art, um, there's, there's community. It, it kind of, you know, led me there. And I've been very happy with, with the community there and kind of settling in there. Like, so it's very, um, there's a lot that it offers. Um, and it's a great hub, you know, for just like traveling from. Nice. But, um, yeah, it's, it's very homey. It's very welcoming. Cool. It feels, it feels like home. I was just there uh, for my first time, and it was beautiful. And it seems like it's not just Asheville, but all these like other mini towns around mm -hmm. that you can get even more country if you want to, mm -hmm. and then get back in the middle. So there's like a whole art scene in Asheville, right? There is. Yeah. yeah. There's um. So there's there's kind of always been an art scene in Asheville. Like it's it's been a thing. I think it was um more like folk art previously um, and then so there's a lot of that that's represented like downtown um, if you go to like the big galleries downtown like the touristy areas um, it's, it's a lot of folk art just like mountain landscapes um, then on the other end there's like the whole keep Asheville weird thing and folk art doesn't seem super weird to me uh -huh. so now there's areas blossoming um, like River Arts District yeah um, which is really like where a lot of our community is kind of setting down roots okay. um, and like you know, creating a home, a hub, creating different galleries, showing work. Uh-huh. It's very street art mode, right? Oh, for sure. Well, River Arts District is like old, um, old, I don't know, like warehouses, I guess. There's the, um, the first studio I got in Asheville, actually, it was like, they just reconstructed it, um, in this big warehouse, did this amazing remodel on it. And, you know, there's like a big drain on my floor. And they're like, what's that? I'm like, what's that from? And they're like, oh, this is an old, uh, cannery i think is, is what it is but it's like that's where they used to drain pig's blood and i was Whoa. like oh that's great energy for my studio <laughs> um but yeah it's it's like a train yard that's satanic shamanic yeah. uh, rituals right it's, it's uh, pagan yeah yeah right <laughs> a lot of energy yeah for sure well it's you know it's it's um it's like a reclamation because it's uh it's like a a street art hub and that's always kind of been like a different community that I've, i haven't understood as much and that's very much present there, and that's like a big part of the area is like respecting that street art, respecting the roots of it, uh, but then also, you know, growing into something where it's, you know, providing space for something, you know, more art like this that's like kind of seen as counterculture a lot of times, seen as um, mm -hmm. maybe lowbrow in some sense. Uh -huh. um, and providing a space for that to be, you know, uplifted. Yeah, totally. So there's a lot of visionary artists there. Any shout-outs or friends who you appreciate from that area? So many, so many. There's, um, you know, there's uh, my... I, so I moved down there with uh, with one of my previous partners, Mike Pancock. Um, we moved down there and, you know, decided that we were going to split up shortly after that. And, you know, he's uh, he kind of helped me make the move down there. And he's an amazing artist in person. Um, Ashley, who I lived with and pandemic with, Ashley Spiro. Uh -huh. um, 
So that was uh, we had a we had a lockdown moment, you know, and and really uh, really dove deep and you know continued to and um, you know the art garden folks, Annie Bennett and um, and Jack Henry. Um, Dylan Dico, some some people who are moving there recently, like uh, Elias Hartford, Mr. Elias. He just moved out there. Uh huh. Um, yeah, you know, there's it's it's interesting being there because there's such an art community and there's um there's really so many that I could never fully shout out all the amazing artists from all the niches and different mediums. You know, whether it's tie dyers or you know ceramicists or glass blowers or there's there's just like yeah, there's so many, and you know, musicians, and it's it's just like, it's such a high concentration of artsy people, people who give a fuck, uh-huh. people who are like really pouring themselves into their passion, and that's you know that's like what art is for me. It's, it's like pouring passion into something, some sort of act of creation, like you know, like food. You, know, you see somebody who's like a really good chef, mm-hmm. like really curating stuff, like that's that's art. So Asheville is at like a nice sweet point where still a lot of creatives are going there and it's growing enough, but it's not going to kind of like explode. Like it seems like, for example, when I go to Denver, it's almost like it's just like oversaturated and too much. Or maybe that's just my perspective and I'm wrong, but that hasn't happened to Asheville. Do you think like too many creatives is too much or everything is welcome and it's and it's let's just fill all we can. It's like a small town thing where it's like. You know, people who have been there longer can be like, oh, people need to stop moving here. It's ruining the town. Um, you know, and I've been there five, six years now. And it's, you know, it's something that I, I want to see expand. I'm excited when to see people like move there and growing that hub. I think it's definitely going to grow as a city and as a hub. I think the reputation is already growing kind of around the country and, you know, around the world, hopefully, um, as a place to visit. But um, I don't know. I, it, I don't think it'll expand in the traditional sense just because it's surrounded by the oldest mountains in the world, like right. nestled. It's really like nestled. It's like a barrier, huh? Yeah. Like even an energetical barrier that's like, okay, you can get gentrified a little bit, but you can't just like expand it to the tits. Yeah, it's, it's like the city is hugged uh-huh. by the mountains. And, you know, that's, that's like the same hug that I feel every time I return there, every time I'm there. It's like the mountains are hugging you in Asheville. Uh-huh. Oh, um, that's so cute. Yeah. Well, congrats on you and your community. It seems very lovely, little visionary art and all arts hub. I hope it continues to stay here and good and, and uh, you know, give you nice hugs. So we met at, uh, at Cosm 2017. You came to uh, the skateboard art workshop that I offered there back then. Do you have some memories of that retreat? And who were you back then compared to who are you today? Like, I remember a young, enthusiastic little dread boy, ready to rock. And now it seems like you've grown into a man doing big things, like some reflections of these short years. I mean, that was definitely in in a point in my life where I'd really, like, had kind of really started to lean in and give it my all. Um, to, to being a full-time artist and really developing skills and, um, you know, picking up things from people that I admired, you know, picking up skills and, and having that, like, hunger. It was a very hungry p- point of my life, um, you know, really feeling the passion for my work and really wanting to push and push and push. Um, and, I, you know, I, I am still absolutely that person. Um, 
but I don't know. I think it's um I think it's ref- yeah. I don't know. It's um yeah. It's it's refined. It's you know I would change. We all change. Like the the pressure cooker of life. We're the same person, but we are a different person. That I remember. It was um an introduction to like a a community intentional art learning setting that was hugely inspiring. Like having that platform to you know do what we do out here where we're like kind of teaching each other but to really put like a like a curriculum behind it put a formality behind it and really sit down and like hey we're gonna be here for a week and we're gonna we're gonna sit down and we're gonna make art and then we're gonna eat some food and then we're gonna make art uh-huh. and then we're gonna go to bed or, you know. speech and you know yeah. I just connecting to the people in the class like you know I'm teacher whatever space holder but we're all learning from each other mm. and it like this whole like spiritual artist thing is such a rare thing that like even just putting 10 to 15 of those together and you're like oh my god you're like me this is so cool like mm. what are we doing here yeah and that's that's what cosm always has been for me like it's always just the the most amazing like connections with artists you know um, from that experience from uh, you know experiences after that like i've gone there and uh, live painted for some of their full moon things and uh-huh. it's always just like such a beautiful connection of people and it's it's really like inspired me in a huge way for like future purpose like um i i have a house and land in Asheville, and kind of my big push and i'll probably be like kind of stepping back from doing a lot of events next year um, and really focusing on doing something that's like cosm um you know that is the basis where it's uh, build up a studio build up some like temporary living situations and you know providing that because i got so much from that experience that like I want to, you know, I want to, and I see the need for, and I think the community in a lot of different pockets um, of, of our community see the need for those grounded spots where you can you can really get together and, you know, especially for an event, like if I were to invite somebody out to come to an event in Nashville, and like, I want you to come out, but then also provide an opportunity where, hey, you can come here and you have this grounded base to operate from. You can, you can come out and just stay and hang out or, hey, you want to come out and teach a class and, you know, provide an opportunity to connect that community while while still, like, providing success for everyone and, like, uh-huh. you know, providing. So it's like an art residency spot to yeah. start with, at least. Yeah, like a residency or just, like, a, for small classes. Like, I envision it being, you know, something where, where somebody could come out and stay, you know, the teacher would stay and then maybe, like, you know, sleeping for 10 or so to where you could, you know... I don't know if I'd ever want to lead like into the full aspect of Cosm where there's like a full-time staff. Yeah, that's um, like the next kitchen. level. It is, and you know, it's it's it adds a, a big element to it. I think um, I'm kind of like, all right, everybody come for a week and then go away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you, your whole life doesn't have to be about that. Yeah, totally. It's just so expensive. You'd mm-hmm. have to be like paying all this money to keep all these buildings, like. With not every has to go like that big. Mm-hmm. But but you know, it's it's one of those things like. I'm sure it's something that'll be something that I have to confront because if I want to have people out for a week to come out and learn, it's like everybody's got to eat. So it's like, you know, do yeah. we, are we ordering pizza every night? Yeah, are we making, yeah. are we making norm- chicken nuggets? Maybe it will like organically grow into something bigger if it's meant to be, but mm-hmm. you know, one step at a time. Yeah. Like even they started in their apartment in Brooklyn, you know, just with their homies. It's interesting to like, go to a place where uh, something beautiful was shared to you and that makes you want to share to others your own magic. That to me makes me feel like the world has hope. 
because you're not the only one, you know, like, uh, I know so many friends want to be like, I want to do a mini cosm too. And we all want to just, I know, share this good vibe. And I'm sure by us doing that, there'll be other younger artists like, well, that was amazing. Now I want to create a different spore and they're like, bloop, 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 bloop. Mm. And we keep on spraying the love. It's a beautiful thing. Thank you for being part of it. So at that retreat, you were painting with markers. Is that like your main medium? Has you evolved in your medium? How's your art evolved? Maybe from there or from before? Like, what's your, your journey with your with uh, your medium and your art? I think the all marker thing was like derived from stubbornness. Uh huh. And like, now, uh, like I have a more design drawing background. Um, I've, I think other than your class, I've never taken a painting class okay. uh, in my life. I've always done, like, all my trainings in design, like, technical drawing. Um, I was always, like, colored pencil. Um, so I kind of, like, they, they leaned into my initial aesthetic of, like, really crisp and, like, proportional, like, all, like, golden ratio and, um, you know, like, the, the design fundamentals, essentially. Um, so it lends into that. But then it would be like I'd be trying to do stuff, and there was like a before switching from markers into a lot of paintbrushes, um, it was in this heavy like pointillism phase, uh-huh. which was just you know it's like all right I want a white fade, so I was like sit there and for six hours, which is nice and meditative and all that good stuff. But then it's like I could do that for six hours, or I could go like. Uh-huh. and get like roughly the same effect right um just you know be able to convey ideas better at this point i don't really use the markers a whole lot except for for my furniture stuff uh-huh. um, i like them for that because they're kind of they're pick up they're pick up and play which is an appeal you know it's not like you have to get your paintbrush and your water and everything it's yeah. like it's like still drawing yeah totally it's like drawing with paint yeah exactly yeah yeah it's yeah pick off the cap and you can just go 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 um and they're you know it's nice for that and I love it for that, but I've, there's something that I've found in, in the brush and like, you know, and not only in the brush, it's like trying to render stuff, but just like the beauty of a brush stroke and uh-huh. um, the way that the brush can really show like the motion and how you can, you know. You can, the push and the pull, the fins and the fix yeah, and like the waves of energy. Totally. As and, opposed to the flatness of marker, which you can thicken up in some parts too, but yeah. it's a little bit. It's different. It's more rigid, and you know, yeah. one of my um, one of my my art rival actually, and one of my best friends, uh, Logan Walden. Art rival? Yeah, he, he's. Whoa! He's, he's you guys my, like fight when he's you're. He's my friend. worst enemy. We're... I hate him so much. No. <laughs> um, he, but he was one of the ones who started painting uh, alongside me in Cincinnati. Um, his his murals are over there actually, um, with Guardian Aliens. But he, okay, nice. He defined uh, my style at the time as being finite. And I think that's the thing, like markers are very finite. Every mark is, is like intentional and there and it is what it is, it is that mark. Uh, and there's like a level of infiniteness to a brush stroke where there's, you know, like these like infinite nuances and uh-huh. that's defined and it can, um, it can like lead into a kind of like decalcomania where like the brain, you know, you, you make these, these marks and the brain like puts the pieces together kind of. And, yeah. It's got more personality. Yeah. So are you still fighting with Logan? Or no. is it a joke? Yeah. Really? Oh, no, it's, 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 yeah, it's a joke for okay, sure. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, no, we're really great boys. We actually just did a painting together because um, we had like, you know, been, uh, you know, been doing our thing alongside. And he's, you know, 
I say he's my rival because we like we push each other on and we uh-huh. uh, we keep going. You know, healthy competition. Exactly. Yeah, and and you know we play it up because we're both silly little goobers. Yeah. Um, that, but it, but it healthy. is fun. It, it is fun when we're like you know around people who don't know and they're like, do you guys really hate each other? And we like we'll scream at each other and play it up just because uh-huh. like I don't know it's fun. That's awesome. Yeah. No, we all need a little of that in our life. You yeah. know, it pushes us forward. It's just like the fun. Video game, yeah, that yeah. we're playing. So yeah. in the same way you you're, you've evolved in your medium, you've also evolved or changed uh, canvases. Like, well, that workshop was skateboards, but it seems like it was a line because it seems like you're not just your traditional canvas painter. You paint these grandfather clocks, I believe, mm-hmm. and jackets and clothing. What's your what's your uh, relationship to a canvas or a, a surface to paint? You know, my relationship with a canvas has always been kind of interesting. Um, really, the thing that got me into like this career, you know, there was a little bit of art class in high school, but when I started like live painting, that was really like when I see the start of like my art career. Um, and I used to bring leather jackets to shows and a mannequin, and I would stretch the jacket over the mannequin and paint on that. Um, and then, you know, it came to a point where it was almost like hard to convey the ideas that I had because of like the limit of the canvas. Right. And so I started stretching my own leather canvases. I would use like the, the material that they make boat seats out of. Okay. Um, marine vinyl. And I would stretch that. And then it got to a point where that was kind of a royal pain in the ass to have to make my canvases all the time. So I switched to a traditional canvas. Um, and I still do a lot of canvas paintings for sure. Um, but then, you know, doing murals and, um, and like kind of moving beyond, you know, moving beyond the traditional canvas. It's like really there's, there's so many things that you can paint on. Uh-huh. Um, so many like different ideas. The first one was like a, a radio. Um, it was like an old antique radio. That was, that's the first uh, psychorelic as I've come to call them. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's, it's something that's very, um, very fulfilling and like has, has a purpose to it. Cause it's like, there's so much, um, there's so much of that stuff out there. So many objects that are, um, that are kind of like discarded. It's just very like discarding culture. Um, so it's nice to be able to like give things new life and purpose, especially um, like with the grandfather clocks. It's funny because you know when I'll when I'll make a post and it, it gets like some crazy reach, inevitably like the trolls come out of the woodwork, and inevitably everybody is a grandfather clock enthusiast, and everybody knows everything about grandfather clocks and how dare I ruin an antique. But in reality, people are throwing these things away. They're begging you. They're saying, please, please take this from me. Right. You know. Because all the grandfathers are dying. And where apartments are getting smaller. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I resonate with that because uh, painting broken skateboards is like, oh, like, let's let's recycle this this garbage. And uh, I like to paint boom boxes and toys. It's... Mm-hmm. It, it, I'm not going to say it's boring to paint a rectangle or a square canvas, but it's also just fun to paint things that are already beautiful and to work with the line work and the design that's already there and bring it forth and actuate action to certain things. Yeah, like a collaboration with with somebody in a way where, you know, a lot of these grandfather clocks do have at least some, like, hand-done elements, so it's cool to kind of play with that. That's usually how I start them. I'll kind of accent what's there, uh-huh. and and then build off of that. So it's yeah, it's, it's cool to see the the like reclamation, and also um, you know like the whole purpose of the project kind of is is like instilling that sense of reverie that paintings can often bring, like that sense of like wow and wonder. Um, 
and putting that in like unexpected places you know like a big part of it was walls were completely covered with with art but it's like i had some you know hand-me-down furniture and all this like boring stuff and i'd never really paid attention to those uh -huh. other objects in my house that that i interacted with regularly that didn't really provide like didn't provide me joy right um, and it's yeah it's i think it's an important push to have have stuff like you know, a whole new appreciation for furniture and the objects you know the chairs and the couches you sit on and the, the tables and having um having those inspire you and having those be something that really like brings something in for you right it's like even like i like old school furniture but sometimes it's just so boring and the one color like oh brown wood color and then that's that but so when you paint it like all these different galactic colors like well this is like you know future past primitive it's like you're bringing the past into the future and giving it a facelift so i think it's pretty special yeah i like what you do man um what about your canvases what's the subject matter of what you paint uh would you say your artwork is visionary fantasy psychedelic um, you know, I, I often get like grouped in like the, the easiest way to describe it people know is like visionary art, but I, you know, that hasn't been something that, um, that I feel like super connected to that as far as like, you know, the, the use of, you know, visionary arts often heavily, heavily associated with, you know, psychedelic usage and that kind of mentality. And, you know, while I do tap into that, I think my art like draws a lot more inspiration from dreams and familiar places like familiar feelings and places where it's um you know, i've really gotten into these uh really like I'll, i'll start most paintings with like a really loose landscape and really just like let myself be free and have fun and not worry and create these like spaces um you know from without you know without reference just kind of from my head from a feeling um and it you know it, it kind of evokes like a familiarity to it where it's not a space that exists necessarily, but it's like an amalgamation of experiences, you know, like a, like a dream is. It's like, uh -huh. you know, not that I could say what the hell a dream is, because I don't think we figured that out as a, as a, right. as humans, but. Uh, Labels are tricky and, you know, uh, visionary is such a, like an umbrella term that could have fantasy. I see your art and it's like, oh, that looks like more, like a fantasy imagination land that's not necessarily like a, psychedelic interdimensional realm but those are also psychedelic interdimensional realms so it's hard to put a box into things right yeah totally yeah it, it is hard to like box yourself in and how you know comes back to the same thing like how do you define your art and and what that is it's like it can be a tricky question to like put it into like one term and one movement and you know who knows like what you know if society like looks back on this movement and what, what it'll be recognized as and um Yeah, what it'll, what it'll be called, you know? Uh -huh. So you were saying that your art's not inspired by psychedelics. So what does that mean? Do you um, not do psychedelics? It's, it's not necessarily not inspired by it. I've, I've gone through, um, you know, a lot of periods in my life with psychedelics. And, um, you know, there was a point where it was a, a much more recreational thing for sure. And I was just doing it, you know, that, that kind of led me into um, a spiritual path in ways and it led me down a journey and then it got to a point where um, it was kind of like a get the, I got the message time to hang up the phone kind of deal um, and I you know I learned a lot from them but at this current point of my life um, I, I still that's absolutely a part of me 
and I mold that um, that psychedelic mindset, that shift of perspective, and looking at things differently. That's that's forever a part of me. Um, but I'm yeah, it's it's not um, not the hugest part of me right now. It's um, I'm very focused on like a grounded, action-based approach to conveying these ethereal ideas and kind of like yeah, very very um, very much like you know. That's, that's like the, I think psychedelics are kind of in like the loftier realm of, of consciousness versus uh -huh. a, a, a grounded realm. And I'm, you know, at this point in my life, I'm in a very grounded realm of things. Well, that's good. I always like, you know, uh, ponder in myself and, and, and to other friends is like, how much psychedelics is it good to take as an artist? Because like, it seems like sometimes like some people just like, do drugs to get all trippy and get vision and do a painting, which is a weird intention to do. To you, it's almost like you're using those portals in order to do a better painting, which is a very mundane, weird reason, you know. Or you're, it's your nature to want to go and do psychedelics and heal, and through that healing, there's an expression that comes through it. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's different ways to go about it, but also we can't just like fall back on our on our ghost rider and be mm -hmm. like oh shit if i don't do this i'm not gonna come up with anything interesting because i'm just a boring person mm -hmm. you know like it's good to just have your own juice and not need those portals totally. right yeah totally and you know and towards the tail end of of really exploring psychedelics you know not that it's like the tail end like it's over um but you know i, I wasn't getting those lessons i wasn't having those aha moments that initially led me to psychedelic medicines, those moments where I really found myself and I really, you know, worked through things and really, yeah, really explored myself, really explored the world, explored, like, thought patterns and how things just, like, work all around. And, uh, yeah, it, it stopped providing that for me. It, it, um, it led me, instead of leading me closer to my true self, it started to pull me away from that, and I felt that, and, you know, so I, I made the choice, and, you know, not only that, but I, I gained like a profound respect for a lot of these things through experiences where I was maybe like, this will be fun. And then it was like, you know, boom, DMT got smack you in the face. And then uh -huh. I was like, okay, I have some work to do. Yeah. I got to do some work and then like right. maybe I can come back. And so now like... It's not I like you knock on his door the next day and he's like, dude, I just smacked in the face. What do you want? Yeah. He's like, go home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> go and do your work. Yeah. yeah, I find like you can just like... There's got to be a balance. Mm -hmm. There's a time to go into those realms, learn, and then you go back to being a fucking human yeah, in the it's, physical it's, world. It's integration. It's like that's yeah. a step that can often be missed, I think. Um, but it's so important. It's not only having those experiences, but also integrating them and really, like, taking those lessons. And, like, I had this aha moment. And then you can either have that aha moment and then, like, you know, trip out again. Or you can be like, all right, I had this aha moment. Like, now what, what do I need to do in my life? to lead myself closer to the end result of that aha moment. Like, what are, right. you know, what are the steps to get me there? You know, whatever the, the lesson is, whether it's, you know, I need to get my shit together and I need to change this. And like, you can, you can kind of like, both, you know, you can come down and then slowly just like settle back into your normal routine or you can be like, all right, this but is- from a more conscious point of view on who you are and what you're doing and why you're doing it. Right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and having yeah, that's it's, it's important to just to integrate, not just not just uh, 
have that stuff shown to you and be inspired, but to but to yeah, I don't know, put put the put the action behind it, put the the work into the manifestation. Right. Um, which psychedelics kind of are like a manifestors. They like power up our brains in different ways where they create create these things in our head. And so we've we've got to like take those acts of creation and then be the creators ourselves. Right, totally. The real work is done in the physical realm from the lessons we learned. And if we keep on going, like even if it's positive psychedelics that are medicines, if we're just overdoing it, it just becomes escapism. And mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm just gonna be a spirit and I'll you know why I'm in this physical plane anymore, mm -hmm. being a human. Might as well just pull the plug and go back to life and mm -hmm. source. But I don't think that's why we're here. Yeah, but it's good sure. to check in and be like, oh yeah, I am this soul, I am this piece of the whole. Yeah. But now let's go back to the environment yeah, I threw and, myself and it's in. It's important to have a balance between those two, like right. to have that that connection to soul and that like truth and that uh, you know that connectedness with the universe and the oneness and the simplicity of of pure pure soul, and then that like the um, you know the complications of of being here and being human, and you know it's like. Why are we here? Uh -huh. um, you know, we. It, it wouldn't make sense just to like be completely lofty and disregard being a human and, and miss that human experience. Then it also doesn't make sense to just have a human experience and miss out on the lofty realm. Like it's, you know, it's a balanced thing. And there's, there's a, you know, I don't think either way would be healthy to be a complete spirit or complete body. Um, but I think, you know, I think it's something that ebbs and flows as we go through different phases of our lives, kind of like, um, some points it may be more of a connection to spirit, at some points it may be more of a groundedness, like, connection to getting shit done, or, you know, getting grounded, getting, you know, setting roots, getting a house, feeding yourself really well, that kind of stuff, you know, it's balance, always balance. Nice. That's good. That's, that's very healthy. It may be a good, uh, example to, to the people that look up to you. So in your career, uh, do you create, well, I don't want to ask you about money too much because that's not super polite, but uh, do you make products of your art other than the live painting and the paintings that you do and now art directing? Do you also have like a brand that you yeah, offer? Yeah, so, so I mean, I, I do make, most, most of these kind of events I'll bring, um, I'll bring like usually a painting, an original painting, and then mostly canvas reproductions. I don't really do too many paper prints, um, but I do I do have paper prints available like on my website and I offer like all my artwork as canvas and paper. Um, and, and then I have a, I have a clothing line with a company, My Culture. Um, okay. And it's, um, I've always kind of hesitated on having myself too closely affiliated or like with, um, with licensing my stuff to other people, just cause I like am the person right there, who wants uh, to. My Culture. Uh, yes, this booth right there. So for yeah. this festival, um, worked with them, and we created a lot of the official merch for the festival. Okay, nice. Um, their work is um, dye sublimation gear. We do, um, you know, clothing, crushed velvet, polyester, full full print stuff. Um, also, um, hand fans and bucket hats and koozies and um, sometimes pins for events. Um, but it's nice to be able to. They're they're really like the largest um, outpouring of like merchandise that I do. Uh -huh. And it's so amazing to have, you know, um, Josh and Jess, the, the people who are in my culture, um, to have some like people who are really close to me and I know I can trust and really care about them as people, um, to be able to pass that off. 
because it's not easy to like to license to hand off your your brand and your name and your imagery to somebody and know that you're not going to be taken advantage of to know that you can trust somebody and really like it's you know it's a hard thing to do and i've always had a hard time with with doing that so it's it's it's, it's nice a lot to be of in trust. a good place it's it's yeah and you have to have a lot of trust with that you know um and when it does when these amazing things all around come down to having to make a living you know it, it can get tricky and that can complicate friendships um it can complicate business relationships um so it's you know it's always a dance with that um but it's you know, it's it's something that you gotta when it when it feels right, you gotta lead into it, and maybe it, you know it's it's right for then, and maybe it won't be forever, and maybe it will, and you just gotta like play it case by case. But it's um yeah, it's nice to be able to have collaborators, and I think that's that's uh, a big a big like growth barrier like for me personally. One of the biggest things I see in like really expanding my art career is that seeing that need to really like bring on a team and have those people that I can like absolutely fucking trust and like I would die for you kind of shit like uh-huh. having those people who, like uh, Chris lo- Morphis Danny Sansone yeah. that are the artists but they also have their brand and they're right there in the mix yeah their crew and you know they, they're a great example of like you know almost like franchising within this where you know of course it would be great if you could be at every event and be everywhere all at once kind of deal but realistically you can't it's a big energy drain to be able to do that it's a lot of work it's huge i mean coming to festivals is if you're on a tour it's like you know that lack of groundedness for being on the road um can it it can really wear on you and it can really zap creativity a lot of times right Um, you can't let the brand overtake from the actual art making it's it's nice to keep it separating uh so i think it's good that you license with my culture Mm -hmm and they can go and do the business and just give you your cut. And maybe the cut is smaller than if the brand was yours, but you don't have to think about like who's working for you. Uh, you don't have to worry about like putting money down to create the products. They do that. So that's that's a little bit more relaxing than it, having your own brand. It is for sure. Especially like I tend to have my hands in all these different places and mediums. So it's, it's nice to have one thing allocated that I can really, um, you know, really not have to worry about. Like right. Thing. And I, I, I pretty much have, um, it's not like a complete, you know, non-compete thing. Like there's no, nothing official, but it's a, you know, mutual understanding that it's like, hey, I'm, I'm only going to make stuff with, with you guys. Uh-huh. Um, so like, let's, I guess let's, it's kind of exclusive. It, you know, it's, it's kind of exclusive. It's not completely formal. Like I've been, um, I'll do like one-off stuff, especially getting, more into like fashion kind of stuff like i had a jacket made for uh the fashion show here okay um, by cream city sauce and it's you know it's a it's a dive sub base but it's like a one-of-one jacket and it's i can't wait to see it it's here somewhere they're cool they always sell out their shit too yeah Yeah, they do well i'm excited to see it it's like you know just super extra fur jacket like a one-on-one kind of couture high fashion moment so Uh um i think i think those kind of collaborations are for like special products and you know it's it's fun to to do little things here and there and do licensing but um like clothing as far as clothing i'm like you know don't want to go too far for for this point and right. have, have a piece with every booth. Maybe maybe at, at a different stage of your life you might feel like focusing on doing your own brand, but for now this works for you, especially since you're busy trying new branches to your tree. Uh, me myself, I used to do more like the focus on my brand. Uh, especially with Corey, who used to run it and go out to the festivals. That he didn't need me there, they would all do it. 
Uh, that didn't work out, so now I just license more, which for me is more relaxing. Now I don't have to look at who's doing what and numbers and investment. So I'm not going more like the direction of what you're doing. Uh, yeah. Do you still work with Corey sometimes? Oh uh, yeah, he um, he built my website. And um, yeah, he still like you know fulfills my print orders and um, online, and um, always is there to help with like online presence. Built me a really nice website, um, and yeah, is always like on top of it with uh, yeah, on nice. top with everything. Cool. Well, sending much love to Corey. May things yeah, might have not worked Corey. out with us. Always wishing you the best and uh, your future endeavors. Yeah. So, would you have any like big goals as an artist? Like, uh, like, do you have dreams where like, I want to do this big thing, or you're kind of like in a nice spot with your art and you're just gonna let it go where it goes? Um, I, I definitely have a few big goals, and I think that's important to have. I think the biggest one is um, um, back in my property. I want to build. I'm gonna start this whole like property, whatever this property becomes. I'm gonna start it with building my like dream studio i'm gonna have like the ultimate setup where i just you know create the perfect creation station for me essentially nice um so there's that i also want to make like a a hundred foot grandfather <clears throat> like a hundred foot grandfather clock uh-huh. like one of the, my, one of my objects but like a hundred feet tall um a hundred feet tall yeah like a like you know this like this, as tall as a dinosaur taller what yeah that sounds dangerous Yes, but you you're know, gonna hang from it and spray paint or something. I, I want there to be a swing in the middle so you can be the pendulum and swing. Be careful. Yeah, I need an engineer and a, a lot of carpenters and um, certificates of insurance. Uh huh. Okay. Cool. Sounds like an ambitious project, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that. Whenever I paint like a tall building, I get scared, man. Like those heights and a, a boom lift only gets you so high. There's walls that you gotta get off this little basket and hang down. I don't know if I could do that. I might be too much of a pussy to yeah. do that. But good luck on doing that. Are you, know, you ready to hang from a little basket 100 feet tall? I would like to paint it on the ground and then assemble it. Ah, that's cheating. Yeah, paint it. <laughs> you gotta get up there. Uh, yeah, no, you gotta risk your life. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's where like collaborating with people of other mediums comes into play because there's. There's people who like construction is, is their shit and like baby Jesus in his manger, he was a carpenter, sweet little thing. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, it's like, it's super, always been a super admirable skill. Um, and it's something that people are really passionate about. Like some of my favorite people in the world are carpenters. Um, and you know, it's, it's that collaboration between different skill sets where it's not necessarily like direct art, but it's a, a different art form and act of creation and sometimes more um more of like a creative thing sometimes more of a technical thing um you know and something like that would be something that require intense collaboration with somebody who really knows like right. engineering and some somebody who can make it safe because you know i would never want a, my grandfather clock giant grandfather clock to like fall and smish someone because then i would no, yeah I'd be bad. like the denver bronco horse outside the airport <laughs> that, that would be my act, my, my last act. Yeah. It's finished. Oh, I did it. I'm the champion of all. Oh, no. <laughs> no, man. Well, I hope that doesn't happen to you, and I hope you achieve your, your artistic dreams. Okay, so a little bit more of a awkward question that I was uh, uh, 
wanted to ask, can I ask you about your sexuality? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I am a proud as fuck gay man. You're gay? Um, yeah. Okay, great. I, I, I can handle that term. Yeah, for sure. I know it. I'm familiar with it. Yeah, totally. Nice. And, you know, um, What's... That's, that's something that, especially within this scene, is something that, um, growing up, you know, I found a home in this scene, and I always, um, I always felt kind of othered from, like, the gay scene. Um, and so I found myself in the festival world feeling really accepted. And then, well, like, you know, queerness is always accepted, has always kind of been accepted here. Uh -huh. um, it's, it hasn't been as celebrated um, and represented. And so now I'm trying to like be a part of this push to really, um, to really like push that element and provide space for community. Cause like, I've like realized the power of representation and you know, I didn't see the, the psychedelic gay boy back then. And like, so now I can be that example for somebody who feels like, you know, other, you know, it's, it's removed. The, the representation, um, it will hopefully help somebody, anybody f see somebody where they're like, I'm not alone. I'm not the only person like this. Um, and that's, that's super important. And that's been um, understanding representation a lot over the last years. That's been a big thing. Yeah. Um, and seeing the purpose of it is, has been huge. And um, yeah, well, there's not like a lot of, uh, uh, gay people in the visionary scene and I've met them little by little like the first one to me was Kevin Campo mm -hmm. from Quebec I met him in, 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 in Italy and then he taught in Vienna and he was a visionary painter and there was Alex Polanco from Puerto Rico I met him in Casa and when I met you I didn't know you, you were gay which just it just didn't I didn't notice mm -hmm. uh, but now it seems like you got a little contingency with you and Mystery Alias and Psychus, mm -hmm. and it's like, oh shit, there's like this whole like, almost like a gang and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah totally, and it's it's a, been important for all of us, and we've, we've the three of us have grown close from that, from like coming to these realizations together, um, and really wanting to like push that out there, and you know, there's like, we're trying to push that, and then there's like Recno, who was my one request for the lineup for this festival, I was like, Recno has to be there, Who's Rekno? So Rekno is an up-and-coming artist, I think originally from uh, Michigan, but he is doing some real amazing work. Really, like, in the last couple of years, it's come into, like, a gender fluidity of, like, you know, rocking it on stage in a fucking cheerleader's outfit and um, bringing, like, a, a like drag kind of energy almost, uh, bringing performances. Uh, he's been collaborating with, like, a lot of uh, a lot of drag artists on events, like, from, from that world. Um, and providing that, so like I see the the movement kind of happening, and I also see how hungry people are for it, and how how cool it's been to paint this work and provide that space, and see who shows up to that space, and who and what they gather from it. You know, the the times, it's 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 cool to be able to gather that community in a way and like connect with it and not feel othered. You know, it's like removing that whole like. I'm not like other girls, I'm not like other gays kind of mentality that, that the world instills in us. Like I don't understand the term othered. Um, so like feeling othered, like feeling, you know, disconnected from, from other people, feeling like you're not like other people because you don't see that example of yourself and you just feel like you're alone and that you're you're you know fucked like up. Like a in subset of yeah, something. Yeah, like you feel like you're disconnected from society, you're you're othered from it, you're you're not a part of it. You're uh -huh. an outlier of it, um, and I think yeah. I think that's a feeling that is permeates you know not just being 
um, not being a, a gay person or being a woman, you know, like, you know, yeah. like the whole I'm not like other girls idea where it's like women grow up with this idea of like plasticity and fake and like this like bimbo ideal. So they're like, oh, I'm not like that. And so it's like it's like an as active disconnection from from somebody who's really your your one of the same. Like I always felt like, oh, I'm not like other gay men, you know, and I had had this whole reservation behind celebrating that part of myself. And I think in doing that, I disconnected myself from my queer brothers who I had so much more in common with than I'd realized. And I was really able to share experiences that I didn't think anybody else had ever had and be able to find that common ground stuff where I just kept it to myself and kept it quiet because I felt like I was a you know an isolated case a lone case um, and I you know I, I think it's um it's just disconnection it's that's the root of it is like being disconnected from the general mass of people and I think anything we can do to fight against that and you know well either way you guys are minor a minority because that's like what is it like 10 20 percent well 10 20 percent at this current point but you know back to you saying like you recognize the term gay man yeah um i think our understanding of sexuality and gender is expanding yeah. and it can be hard to grasp yeah um, but i think you know that the 10 to 20 percent is like uh, you know it, that's that's what the current um the current state of acceptance and society and where that's at there's places where it's okay and celebrated, like here in the States. There's places where you can be murdered for, for being, for looking at a man, you know, uh -huh. looking at somebody the same gender of the way. Right. So that's, you know, that's another reason why I think it's important to like, to push that. Um, it's, you know, an, an act of rebellion and an, an act of, um, of like standing up. And, you know, we, to, to have a platform where you can celebrate that, it's, you know, it's like good to be able to use it for those who are less fortunate and are not in those kind of situations. Is it difficult being LGBTQ or is it like extra cool these days that it's being accepted? I think it's, I think it's rad. I mean, there's like, I, I fully enjoy like wouldn't, wouldn't change it. Didn't choose it, wouldn't change it. Um, you know, there is a lot of backlash in the world and it's a lot of it's being given a voice by this whole like weird Trumpian era of assholes having a platform. Um, and like Facebook people just like weird niches of people feeling like um, they can hate other people for things that they can't control um, but yeah I mean it's it's been difficult in ways um, you know coming to terms and like a lot of the feeling othered stuff um, but at this point it's like I've you know leaned to that community and I'm kind of bridging the gaps between my communities and the communities that I'm part of and um, yeah I mean finding finding a lot of joy and self-realization within celebrating that part of myself. In uniting more to your queer brotherhood, do you feel it's a unifying thing? Obviously it's unifying to that contingency or that grouping, but do you feel, does that separate you from what is not that? Or does that unite you with the oneness of humanity? I think it, it further unites you because it's, um, you know, it's the, the best act, the best thing you can do to, like, explore others is, to, like, to really know yourself and explore yourself. So I think having that has allowed me to explore myself in a way that I'm able to show up as my truest self and, and really just be me. You know, it's not like I'm 
boxing myself into that. It's you know, it's a part of me, and it's you know, it's it is a, a defining factor, and there is a community, but there's like overlap. You know, it's I don't think it's an othering thing. Okay. Yeah, I hope so too. I'm observing it. Uh, I think I made out with a man once, but I'm not gay. <laughs> Thailand. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't want anyone to be sad, and I hope that Eric can just like love and accept each other with whatever way they wanna express themselves and whatever color, culture, sex they are. I hope that we can all just kind of like let each other be eventually yeah. but I think it's possible I, I feel like we're getting there in some ways and there's like a huge expansion of that um, you know that ideology um, but yeah and it's, it's interesting it's like we're all here to explore it I like to think that humanity is progressing towards being a more accepting of others you know I like to think that that's the trend I mean especially you look at like what life would have been like a hundred years ago to be on this earth and it's like Whoa, very, very different place. So how far we've come in that time, and then, you know, hopefully in another hundred years, hopefully sooner, you know, it'll, yeah. it'll get a lot I better. I want to see the world heal up in my lifetime. Yeah. It seems like, like, it seems like it, and this could all be perception thanks to media that we're more divided than ever, but there also seems like the minds are opening more than ever. Yeah, I, I think it's almost a matter of like, we, we were so close to like squishing out a lot of this stuff, this like racism and, um, and bigotry and hatred. Um, we were so close to it. Um, and then, you know, because of things in the political sphere and everything, everything's become like a politicized issue. Um, it's given a voice to this like, you know, to this thing, like it's, it's okay to express it. And yeah. it's almost a reaction to it being squashed out that it's like a, you know, maybe it's like a loud cry towards the end where it's like, I hope so. Well, maybe we should observe that creature as the way they observe you guys at some point. You know, they were all like, oh, these gay people are like this evil contingency that I don't understand. Maybe we're observing them too, the racist people as like, Oh, soon they shall be eradicated and there won't be any more. But they is like, but I exist too and I'm trying to have pride in my stupidness. I don't know, but they exist. Yeah, I mean, it's, How can we honor that existing thing as much as we don't agree with it? Obviously, they don't agree with you guys and we don't agree with them, but how can yeah, like we where, even accept that? Where, it's a weird where question. is, you know, not a Christian, but where is Jesus? in Donald Trump, you know, it's like, where is the, where is the, that, like, you know, if we're all, if we're all one and we're all this, like, unified consciousness, different explorations of it, where is that pure light in these things that seem so hateful and, like, where, you know, if everything is holy and this whole experience is, is, you know, holy, then where is the, yeah, where, like, how, where is it in the things that, seem so opposite because I'm you know you well I, I'm, I'm trying to observe this entity of racist people and um, anti-gay people what's the name of people who are afraid of gay uh, homophobic people um, uh, yeah. as an entity I would have living in my body when I do ayahuasca and I know I got my fear I know I got my bullshit and I don't want to go at it like Fuck you, why do you live in me? Like, get out of here, I don't honor you. And like, in a way, sometimes I just like, 
I gotta maybe like go in there and like hug that motherfucker and be like, okay, you exist. I honor you. I'm gonna give you all my love. I don't know if I can kill you. You perhaps have a right for existence and all I can do is love you and like surrender to the fact that you exist and maybe in that it, it shall like pass and just leave. Yeah, and I, I don't think know. That's the answer like with um <clears throat> with some people that I've met like I've been friends with, you know, I was like their first gay friend and they were like so sorry and they were like, "Wow, I did, you know, they were like homophobic before in ways." And it's just I think a lot of those things come from just like a lack of experience with it and conditioning. So it's, you know, whether it's an environment or just what you've been portrayed that, that these people are, what you've been told. Um, so, you, you know, you have to, to honor that these people maybe aren't just hateful, but it's just idealism that's been bred. And it's not about killing these people. It's about killing these ideas. Right. Um, and I think it's part of that. Or group. healing them. There must be a way because that mentality of separation or fear comes from some wound. It might not even be their wound. Maybe the wound of their father or their grandfather that they were passed on and programmed and there is that programming and somehow we gotta go in there not like you're wrong for having that wound and programming like how can we like be kind like I don't know I don't know the answer but mm. there must be a way we can do it with love because when we attack and you say like you're bad now they just put up their yeah, defenses yeah, polarizes for sure. yeah. Um, you know I think that that is the way to move forward is you know with love and, and like the idea of trying to have those conversations and, and talk together and some people are willing to um, you know I, I, you know hopefully people get there because um, it's, um, it's it's a weird thing to to hate other people without knowing them you know like to, to lump people into a group and like you know there's just a lot of weight and a lot of baggage that can come with that. Right. Um, that's, that's hard to unpack sometimes. You know? Yeah. Well, thanks for letting me ask you these uh, difficult uh, questions. So a little bit of a lighter question that Abby, and, and, and breakfast, I was having my coffee with Abby, and you, you guys being roommates, like, what should I, what should I ask him? And uh, she was asking me, um, what's your spirit animal? You know, that has several answers. I would say I connect with different spirit animals at different points. Currently the thing, like, I feel like the, the animal that I feel most connected to is a baby goat. A um, baby goat? A baby goat. Goats. They're, they're, um, they're super fun. They do parkour. They like jump around. They're just like a free- They do yoga. Yeah, they do yoga. They do parkour. They're, they're hardcore. That's, that's, have you ever done yoga with goats? No, and it's, it's that's yeah, a thing. It, it's it's a thing, and so weird. <laughs> honestly, we, we gotta bring that here next year. I think that would be a hit here. Wow! Like goat yoga at the tent. Goat yoga, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, congrats on on the work that you've uh, brought into this festival. Thank you for uh, doing this conversation with me, even though you're in the middle of the thick of it. Uh, would you have some final words of wisdom to anyone who's watching this show with us? Yeah, I mean, I would say um, the best thing to do in your life is be you and to, you know, move forward and step into authenticity more and more every day. Be your absolute truest self because that is the best thing you can do for the world, for anyone, is to be you and explore what being you is and who you are. Mm -hmm. 
Well, thank you so much, Kevin. I love you, brother. Love you. Woo, thank you for having me over here. And thank to you guys for watching another week of Chris Dyer's Creative Friends. Just, uh, make sure to like, comment, share, subscribe, and I'll see you next time. Blessings! And thank you to you guys for watching, too. Look at all these beautiful artists. <laughs> Thanks, brother. I love you. I'm happy with it. That. Next episode, Roger Dean. People think that when you're painting, you pick up a paintbrush and you start and you work till you finish. That's never been my experience. My experience is probably 80 or 90% of the time, I'm staring at it and imagining what it will be. Sometimes I know in advance, sometimes I don't know even when it's finished. Mm. You know, it's, it's um, a fugitive experience. It's not a solid, definable one. So please make sure to subscribe, like, comment and share. Big thanks and see you next episode. Peace.